turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Let me give you a quick scenario on one of the reasons that we do this show is to get you thought-provoking content to digest and consume and to think about your life. It's going to be called A Tale of Two Sisters. One lives in Northern California, one lives in Southern California. One's married to a financial guy in Northern California. One's married to a loser in Southern California who hasn't had a job in five years. They've been married 20 years. They own no real estate in Southern California. In Northern California, they own some real estate. In Southern California, they've drawn off their 401ks down to nothing, in large part due to the economy and him lacking a job. He's one of those guys who's like a serial entrepreneur, except for he's like a Captain Crunch serial entrepreneur. He can't actually get anything good going. But he's one of those guys, every time you meet, he's got white pants on. You're like, dude, you can't wear white pants all year round. He looks good, but he doesn't have a job. He pedals himself. He pushes himself. They didn't get into real estate 20 years ago. Too expensive. They didn't get into real estate 15 years ago. Too expensive. They didn't get into real estate 10 years ago. Too expensive. Their experiences with stocks was they would buy the stock at an all-time high, and then it would go lower. And on paper, they've lost money. They panic. So what do you think those lives are going to be like? These were two sisters who grew up together. They played together. They loved each other. What do you think retirement's going to look like? It's not going to be pretty for the Southern California unless they hit the lottery. And you know what I think about people who play the lottery. <laughs> i got to be careful here. Because the word degenerate comes up. And the last time I said that, I got into trouble on radio. So I can't say it. I can think it, but I can't say it. Um, so it's a tale of two cities. And right now we're seeing Southern California home sales plunge 20% in December to the lowest pace in 11 years. In Northern California, it's got some pockets of weakness. But generally speaking, San Francisco and the Bay Area is holding up pretty tight as far as inventory goes. Uh, for how long? Who knows? It's all tied towards affordability, in my opinion. It's all tied towards what I call the wife factor. I want a bigger house. I want a better school for my kids. Uh, if it's up to men, we would live in cardboard boxes in a homeless community with our families. We don't care as long as we got TV and the Super Bowl. It's Tony Mendez, Tale of Two Sisters. How often do you see that? Because I see it in my world where people don't like to talk about money, but they'll talk to me about money. And sometimes they don't know about their own spouse. And sometimes, they, you know, their, their, their family is struggling. They're like, I'm not going to give any of my money to the family or I'm going to give all my money to the family. We get that occasionally, that deep into people's lives. Um, not the whole sisters, unless there's, you know, we'll find somebody else's on The two-sister story that I just told is it's it pretty common. Like the, it's pretty common. It is. It sounds like uh, she needs a new husband is what she needs, not a new a new house. But um, it is it is interesting to see the paths that people take yeah. and the decisions that they make. Uh, fortunately, I'm on the side where people are pretty active. Okay. Um, the same as like a realtor. A realtor is going to see more people buying houses than people not buying houses. So they're going to say, oh, yeah, I see very successful people. A mortgage guy. We see a little bit of, you know, we people we see people who want to buy. They want to engage like, you know, the Southern California sister. They want to engage, but then they fall out because either there's something in their credit or they just don't qualify or the home prices are too high. Uh, but we don't see a lot of people that aren't trying because we don't we, they don't call us. 
So uh, we usually see the Northern California sister and, um, but as far as the Southern California homes, um, you know, the sales dropping, it's seasonally adjusted, which is probably the scarier part of that, that statistic. Yeah. Um, we don't watch Southern California sales that often. Right. We're seeing actually San Diego do really well because a lot of people from the Bay Area are moving to San Diego. A lot of people are moving to Sacramento. Um, Slight, but, slightly more affordable areas. Slightly more affordable areas and slightly more desirable areas when you add all the factors together, the schools, the uh, the cost of uh, uh, the house and affordability and so on. And a lot of people are telecommuting nowadays too. So uh, that's why Sacramento is the number one search for places in California. Okay. It's like 12% or something like that. But. I could do San Diego. I don't see myself doing Sacramento. It's a good stepping stone for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for example, millennials in the United States are the, the second placed city in the United States is Elk Grove for, okay. m- for millennials to move. So we're seeing this as a good stepping stone. And then maybe they come back to I'm the Bay Area. I'm not completely familiar with Elk Grove. South of Sacramento. It's okay. kind of, you know, a suburb. Sounds like it's going to burn down one day in a wildfire. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think there's an Apple outfit there with a thousand jobs. Okay. You know, so I think there's some traction growing there. Uh, it's close to the mountains. Um, in fact, the, we've had more people buy in Elk Grove in the last year that, or in the Sacramento area. That's just encompass the whole area than the last it, 10 years. Is it fair to say that in the last three months, four months, we've started to see a lot more data on real estate that it's softening and weakening? Yes. And it, it to me, it feels like the higher interest rates are sapping affordability. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's people are real estate fatigued. Maybe everyone who wants a home has a home. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read in it, into it too much because if you were in Denver, for example, or if you were in... You know what I like to call Denver. Menver. Menver. Sure. I mean, the, what's the ratio now? It's, it's like four it's, to one or something like that. If I was Three a single one? woman, I'd move to Denver. Yeah. And for the record, I am not a single woman. It's <laughs> the best I know. Um, but if you were in Denver, you, you might see different reports. Um, or, or have a different feeling about it because there are a lot of you know, affordable homes there. There's jobs and people yeah. are moving there. And in Seattle, you might have a different view I, because Seattle sales have gone down. Their home prices have gone down. Their rents have stabilized. Wait, wait, I just looked at Denver prices recently and it's not that affordable. I was surprised. I was like, oh, it's got to be affordable. It's so far from the ocean. It's so far from big tech companies. Well, it might have that Seattle effect where... Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Where, and for those people who don't know what the Seattle effect is, is Seattle was a very desirable place for a long time because you had a tech job, for example, yeah. where the starting salary was only like 15% lower than here in the Bay Area, but their home prices were 50% lower. Now those home prices are much higher and they've come back down. A lot of people bailed. One of the reports that um, we saw recently is the amount of equity people have taken out out in 2018 from the sale of their property. It's the highest levels of any year that we've ever seen, including going back to the I last recession. Out last year. Or, I'm sorry, the last peak. Excuse me? I took some equity out last year. Well, I'm talking in the sale of their property. So we are seeing yeah. people capitalizing on the, 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 the increase in their homes, that equity that they've earned. Or, I don't know, do you earn it? Best day of my, is, is that day of my year last year was going to Denver and seeing Red Rocks, a concert there, and seeing Imagine Dragons. Nice. But you know, the down part was that little girl from America's Got Talent, the one who played the ukulele, okay. she opened for Imagine Dragons. You know, the little girl was like, I am not so ugly. And uh, <laughs> what I learned was Imagine Dragons is a big pull for kids. Yeah. Um, my, my son loves Imagine Dragons. Plays them every day. It's, uh, 
you know, it, it's kind of an all ages from eight to eighty kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, that's totally. We'll run its course too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Denver was lovely to visit. So anyway, um, we're talking, and I'm going to be in San Diego next Friday. I'm going to see. Lovely place. I'm see Weezer. <laughs> you know what San Diego is? Old means, man's right? group. It's not an old man's it's group. It's an old man's group. Oh, it's a. Ah, oh, now you're now you're pissing me off. <laughs> they have the song Africa out. Yeah, that was made thirty years ago. That's the point. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't be so serious. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Um, I was in Denver recently. And I remember and this is the, <clears throat> the basis of me pulling up Denver research from 10 years ago uh, was because I was just there and I was like, I could have moved there. I, I certainly thought about it in the 1990s. Um, I had a list of seven cities. I don't know if you remember them, but it was like Denver, Nashville, um, San Antonio, Raleigh, um, I think Minneapolis, Seattle. A couple others were on there, and uh, all those, all of them have done really great because they have jobs there. Um, and that's another thing you know we could talk about is. But anyway, what I, what I kind of want to talk about was. Everyone has their own real estate opinions. I was listening to your show last night. Your show's on on the station Thursdays, uh, 6 to 7. And your partner has opinions on real estate. And you two were disagreeing quite a bit last night. And that's the beauty of real estate is there's no right answers. So the couple, I remember a couple in 2000 going, you know, we can't afford San Francisco, so we're moving to Tracy. And I remember laughing at them, you know, ah, ha, ha, Tracy, what's in Tracy? It's nothing's in Tracy. Um, Stockton, nothing, but that was their decision. So, and not necessarily a wrong one. We, we definitely see different opinions in real estate. That's one of the fun parts of the, uh, the whole experience over the last 15, 20 years of, um, being in the industry. I've owned property for many years beyond that. And, um, my wife and I have the same different opinions and, you know, she might be a little bit more like, I just want a household and I might want something for retirement. Um, that's why we bought our first house is because I knew at some point I was going to keep that. It was going to generate something like my parents said, Oh, we're spending so much money on this, this, and this long-term care and, and so on. And I'm like, you know, I think I want some sort of vehicle to help me do that over and above social security and wages and my retirement. So I think everybody has a different opinion. I think that's great. I think it's healthy for the market. Um, I think you just don't, but you you can't be impulsive, which we still see a lot of people do. Um, we had a, a guy recently who could save $463 a month on his refinance, but he was a little PO'd about his appraised value that came in and because he had solar on his house. And his wife, he didn't care, but it was his wife who said, we spent $35,000 in the solar, but they only gave us 10,000 value on the appraisal. And they didn't, they, even though we could have done the refinance they and saved four, over $400 a month, they decided not to. So everybody's going to have a different opinion. That's, it, it, I think what it comes down to is dollars and cents. And if you can get down to that root issue, you know, what really makes sense for our short-term and long-term more long-term now. I think um, you talked earlier about how people are beca- are wiser about the decisions in real estate. I think people are thinking longer term now as opposed to short term, um, even though people still want that payment. Um, that's what the root is right there. The money, follow the money. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot going on in that statement, that idea. One of the things we, you and I were talking about is someone was just predicting a, a, a bubble 
kind of like the death of real estate. Yeah, this is, I mean, the quotes... It happens in stocks, too. Yeah, it's quite, quite up, um, apocalyptic. I mean, what he says, is, it basically comes down and says, how much do you love your real estate? Are you, uh, do you love it enough to go down with it? It's like, there, we're seeing a little bit more of that, aren't we? We're hearing more uh, bubble talk. Yeah, yeah. If you turn on CNBC at this point in time, um, or even if you just go to Yahoo, Yahoo's you know news page, you'll see you know Doctor Doom says, or it's and again, it's going to happen. There's going to be a recession. Um, it's going to happen. Housing's not going to go higher every single year. Um, yeah, what's crazy is right next to you know a, an article like this, yeah. where some guys just calling gloom and doom. You're going to have this, uh, another article saying, "Well, we're going to have a recession, but the real estate's not going to be affected by it this time. It's going to be a, a different kind of recession tied towards maybe equity or um, commodities or something else." Um, and and then they go on to explain it's because of the type of mortgages people got and, and because of the lack of housing, inventory is going to rule. We have more household. Formations. I mean, when you really think about it, you could almost push, and I'm not trying to be pro real estate right now, even though that's the industry I'm in. You can almost put real estate aside right now and, and kind of focus on other parts of the economy that could cause the recession yeah. and be affected by it. I think there's an evolution that happens in real estate and in life that you sometimes don't appreciate while it's happening. For instance, I moved into San Carlos 10 years ago and there was a skyline. <laughs> there was like nature. There was there's hills, and I can't even see the hills anymore because it's all been built up. So one of the reasons that I liked it is now gone. So will I eventually leave? Yeah, I told you I was in Denver this week uh, last weekend, and um, it's a lovely city. I, I I know people have left the Bay Area for Denver, and they say yes, we miss the ocean. But it's lovely, minus that, and you know, less traffic and, and the oxygen. Well, well, the oxygen is there's less of that as well. Uh, but you get used to that, they say. Um, but yeah, yeah. So um, you have to like outdoors if you like Denver. I mean, you have to go to mountains, you have to go hiking, you have to really grasp that. Or somebody in the peninsula that likes to live close to the train, or they like that. Oh, that you know, crazy. I know, but but you see. That's what they're building. They're, they're doing what's what's working for. What have you done for me lately? Kind of attitude. You know, what do we need now? And that's what we need. Um, it's also coincidentally the, what's making the most money. I mean, right down the street from the studio, there's you know a huge complex of townhouses right by a train track, and it's not a train track you can jump on and get to work. It's yeah, that's what you hear every every day, every morning, and then you hear the like that, and they're all compact and. They're making the most amount of money they can yeah. right now. I mean, we're not going to see any sprawling suburbs coming up anytime soon. I sent you an article earlier this week about, um, <clears throat> and I don't know if you saw it because I think I sent on instant messenger. So anyway, it was a story about um, the last waterfront property in San Francisco is going up. And what's interesting about it is I know one of the guys behind the development of it, I named Paul Zeger. Um, and lo- long story short, there's no more waterfront condos to be mm-hmm. thrown up. So it's, it's, it, the inventory is there now. So now it's all about, you know, where else can we build? Where else can we uh, make the next big thing happen? And it'll happen. So, um, but anyway, you can talk to Tony about real estate, about mortgages, about interest rates. You can find him at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. San Francisco's last waterfront condo development breaks ground. That was a big story this week. Um, Looks pretty. I like the rendition. Yeah. There's so much controversy in real estate. There's, it's all luxury, though. It's going to be expensive. It's all luxury. 
Luxury condos. I love it. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. My parents never really did that for me. So I was 16 years old and I had to go learn to ski on my own. And the only reason I did that was I saw the movie Better Off Dead. And I was a big John Cusack fan. The $2. I want my $2. And are you going to ski this K9? The first question of the movie is, I think, are you going to ski the K9? I skied the K9. Now, it was incredibly irresponsible because I didn't know what I was doing, and I probably could have killed someone on the way down the hill. But I want my kids to be able to go to college or high school and, and not be afraid to get on skis. I know that, that sounds like a crazy thing, but it's, it's my generation. I think it's the 21st century golf. Nothing against you golfers, but it's dying and it's dying rapidly. And you can see it when Tiger Woods comes on and like suddenly everyone turns on their TV like, let's watch Tiger. Was that my over middle-aged white guy, Caucasian saying, let's watch Tiger. It kind of was because CBS will tell you the same thing. No one watches the tournaments unless Tiger's in it. And we're all fascinated by the freak that that was the Tiger Woods kid at four years old. So Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I just told the story of um, skiing is the new networking, I think. You've, the ability to go on a ski trip with, with male friends and coworkers and young ladies. Um, it's a great social networker. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a little biased. I like golf. I play golf. But it, you got to admit the people on the course. I actually, I talked to somebody the other day that, that uh, doesn't golf. And I said, oh, yeah, I play a little bit of golf. They saw some golf gear that i had on and they said oh that must be great for networking did you do golf because of networking and you know kind of but you know i started much earlier before the networking days um but yeah you know a second home and the community that you you're in i think is very important for that type of environment you're looking for your child uh, or your family or just yourself um i think that when looking at a second home, you have to look at what what you're going to use. It's like a timeshare. It it makes sense if you're going to use it. You you did it because of multiple reasons. You wanted that experience, and you also were looking at expensive vacations. You're like, oh, okay, I can. You, you did all the math. I did it with you. You added everything up and said, this is how much I spend every year, and this is how much a mortgage will spend if I did a second home. And a lot of people do that. And they go. But then, this makes sense. And they do the same thing for like timeshares or the when I originally Hawaii. When I originally talked to you as my mortgage lender, I said, you know, I, I got to leave some emergency or some wiggle room. Yeah. Um, because cash flow, my cash flow suddenly almost doubled. Well, I mean, my other, cash flow going out. The other part of that, I mean, some people go directed to a timeshare, for example, because number one, it's multiple places. Number two, you don't have to put a large down payment. So there's a immediate cash infusion into this out of your cash reserves that you have to sacrifice but it's kind of you know if you do it right and you do your research and you enjoy the place you know that money sits there and hopefully grows a little bit you pay down some principal um i don't know if it's the new golf uh but it's certainly something we're seeing more often in the you know as you're getting closer to retirement people are you know especially here in the bay area are looking at massive amounts of equity and they they're not getting that rate of return on equity so they're figuring out you know what kind of investment property are, are we going to look at is it sure. second home and that's one of the things that i did was i took out a home equity line yeah and you and i walked through that process and we learned you know a lot about bank of america's particulars and every bank's gonna have slightly different particulars and that's the nice thing about knowing someone in the industry but so i, I did sell some of one home to buy more of a second home but on a monthly basis, instead of that equity sitting there doing nothing in the first home in San Carlos, in the vacation home, it's it's now you know giving me vacation time and other things. It's working a little bit better, but 
you do have to pay that back too. So as long as you're not doing both, right, the vacations and the second home. Oh yeah, yeah. Then then you're basically just dipping in two pockets. And you know, there's other purposes for doing it. You know, there's sure. you know, sometimes. It's okay to lose money if you're giving your kids a a better experience in life than you had, and that means something to you. Keep in mind, kids love plastic boxes or boxes. And and there's always the opportunity. The way that a lot of people look at at second homes is uh, as an investment property where they can go out and do an Airbnb or some sort of vacation rental company like um, VRBO or whatever the local company is and generate some income. But I... I would rather them because it is kind of a sketchy and very um, a sketchy strategy that is as opposed to just going straight into an investment property where you have to be able to go a little negative in case there is just a lack of, of tenants in the property and it's it's a high rotation it's a, a very high commission uh, on a, what was the commission that we, we looked at a couple 25 30 percent in some 30, cases yeah. as opposed to maybe a seven percent commission on a rental property but yet you don't get to use it so what are you doing with your money and i hope the people that do a second home or decide that that's the direction they go, that they, they look at it as something that they could lose a little bit of money or go negative, but maybe they're making that up by not taking those really expensive Hawaii or, you know, Cabo vacations. I hear that. So, and, um, you know, it was interesting what I was talking about is you sat down with me and you and I kind of like got on napkins at first and then we got to paper and spreadsheets and, figured out the cash flow and how much emergency money should I have in my accounts. And you know, I've got various accounts. I've got a lot of real estate now. I've got a lot of stocks. I got particular stocks sometimes. Um, but one of the things I said to you was, do I have enough for an emergency? Like I got to keep my emergency fund more than enough. Cause guess what happens? My air conditioner breaks in one of my rental properties. Yep. And $4,000. The question is, is it a $200 fix or is it a $4,000 fix? Yeah. And uh, so suddenly that's like having three mortgage payments or four mortgage payments. It's still the number one um, uh, unanticipated cost of owning a house or an investment property of any kind is the maintenance of the property. It's still the number one unanticipated cost. I've stained the fence. I've changed yeah. the yard. Um, I've worked on the kitchen. At it's a crazy number, um, how high on the average in the United States per household, how much it costs to maintain your house. It's like $16,000 a year or something. Crazy I think, like aren't that. they saying it's one person, you should spend at least 1% of your home's value? Yeah, it's, it's some, I'm not sure it's that on, simple, but... Well, there's there some numbers out there like that. I mean, there's, there's people that, that go out and buy condos and townhouses for that exact reason. I don't want to maintain my property. And that seems to be a, a pretty common theme right now. Uh, not just with the builders, but the buyers. There's buyers and buyers and buyers that are looking at places that you just don't have to maintain. And uh, and it used to be the old people, right? It used to be the seniors that were looking for a place that, okay, I'm going to pay this HRA. You paint my house. You cut my grass. I'll take care of the inside. Yeah. And now it's everybody. So I have no problem with it. Um, some people just don't have the knack for trimming their yard or um, trimming the, the bushes or painting the exterior or replacing some wood. In this case, taking equity from a home in California, sunny California, where you don't get a lot of bad weather, where I live on the peninsula, you don't get a lot of bad weather. So trading some equity for that, this is kind of interesting. For a place that has bad that has, extreme weather. You know, six feet of snow sometimes. Sitting on the patio, you're going to have to replace the patio in location B more so than in location A. But location A does need it. It just doesn't need it as fast. And it, it, it creates a situation where you better be good with budgets. Because most of the people that I know who have gone bankrupt have typically been bad with budgets. 
but have also got caught up in the leverage game of taking money from one property to another. I've never known anyone to go bankrupt who lost $180,000 in one day in Facebook. There's a guy who lost $180,000 in one day in Facebook. It was 40% of his account, but I've never known anyone to go bankrupt. Of You got to get out. You have no place to live. So that's one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about with real estate. But that's why it, it pays to have a good lender. It helps to have a good lender, someone who can help you. You know, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Um, because Tony's got access to me. And trust me, I'm your number one friend in getting you into retirement. That's my goal. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Google is one of those stocks I think you can hold for a long time. They got Chrome, they got Gmail, they got Google Maps, they got YouTube. They got a billion active users per month each. That's a lot. Do I honestly think you can hold it forever? I don't know. Ad sales up 23% year over year. Make up such a large part of the company's sales. Amazon, do I think you can own it forever? I'm in the camp that's going to lean yes, but can something change in the years to come? For sure. Can it massively underperform while still as a stock, while still operating well as a company? Probably. Keep in mind, we're a fickle country, though. We do turn on trends and fads pretty fast. But Amazon's using their shares to get into new industries, and it's pretty interesting to watch. So Whole Foods, um, a lot of people didn't see that one coming. So it goes back to what's in your wallet on a monthly basis. Uh, you don't look at Amazon Prime as a monthly basis because you typically pay for it a full year in advance, right? So you're probably looking at it as, well, already paid. It's $200 or $115 or $120. And it's $12 a month, blah, 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 $10 a month, $120 a year, blah, blah, blah. So because you one-time chunk it, you don't see it as a, a regular cost, even though it is. But I do like Amazon as a long-term patient investor idea that you can hold for a long time. There's a company called Ecolab. And what they do is they clean things up. I was shocked when I moved to California, the Bay Area, um, I guess 20 years ago, roughly, right? I was shocked that how many people basically hire other people to do their chores. I grew up in a world where you cleaned the kitchen on a pretty regular basis, where you cleaned the bathrooms on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not every week, maybe before a date comes over, something like that, right? Here, everyone outsources that. Someone else mows your yard. Someone else cleans your kitchen. So cleaning up is going to be in business for a long time, right? Now, in this case of Ecolab, they don't have products that are made for home use. Hospitals, hotels, restaurants, schools, retailers use their cleaning fluids, their equipment and services to do laundry, wash dishes, mop floors. It's the biggest player in commercial cleaning. So they're the Google of commercial cleaning. They are the Amazon of the sanitation industry. Now, economic expansion, people are like, let's clean things. Economic slowdown, people are like, we don't need to clean it as often. So there is some exposure to the economy, for sure. But Ecolab looks pretty interesting as a long-term 
play. If you're trying to accumulate companies that you are proud to own, if you're trying to get bang for your buck and hit home runs, maybe it's it's more of a guy like a Paul Molitor type guy who gets a lot of singles. But I don't even know if that's true or false. But I'm just trying to talk baseball, acting all manly, you know. United Health Group. It's the biggest health insurer in the country with some 15 million people on its rolls. Um, and again, every month you pay your health insurance or you don't get it. They've got prescription drug services. They've got dental and vision care. They've got, you know, over the long term, if you believe that insurance companies, I'm not going to say are evil, but if you've seen a Julia Roberts movie or some sort of movie where the insurance company knew about it, they covered it up so they didn't have to pay massive claims. I kind of am one of those people that think insurance companies are going to make money in good economies and bad economies. So there's just so much money in the healthcare industry and politicians haven't figured out how to dismantle it um, without losing votes and without losing you know, contributions. But it's a flawed system. So I, I do look forward to seeing companies like Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway move more into healthcare services because capitalism can create some efficiencies. And if we create some efficiencies, we save some money, big money. It's like the, the dumb statistic on cars. If we had self-driving cars, we'd save tons of money on fuel because a car knows how to accelerate and decelerate better than you do or a computer. One of my favorite stocks for the long term is Visa. The king of plastic. I could be talked in MasterCard. I could be talked into you know diversifying even further in the credit space in the fintech and going after a PayPal or something along those lines. So Visa, good long-term company, great employees, great um, CEO. Um, volume in overseas developed in merchant regions climbed seven to eight percent year over year. This is this is a company that's been around a long time. And, you know, will the rise of Apple Pay or Venmo and others hurt them? So far, they've been working together. So I like Visa on dips. Some people like fish and dip. Some people like chips and dip. Some people like Tostitos and dip. Me? I like stock dips. So... Um, so anyway, that's Visa. There you go. Stocks that you could possibly own for the long term. I'm not sure if you believe that, but it's a good place to start, right? Millennials are making one big key mistake. They tend to save in cash-like vehicles. One in three millennials say they prefer cash insurance for long-term investments. But you're not going to get a good return on that, and you're going to wish that you were in the stock market S P 500 later. But that's Okay. I think if you're a millennial, you're technically in your 20s-ish. And it's okay to see that you made some mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to study the stock market and real estate and gold and bonds and Bitcoin and cash. Uh, and you'll learn how it plays out for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money. Invest in more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show.